It's the Eggship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, the uh, creator and <laughs> chief writer and only writer of the Eggship, which is a credentialed uh, Utah State Athletics newsletter covering football and both basketball teams, as well as hopefully at some point some of the Olympic teams once I get uh, any free time at all. But <laughs> we will cross that bridge when we get to it. You can subscribe to the Eggship at www.theagship.com. If you want, you could try the flagship tier, which is the $10 a month tier for free for one month that would get you access to things like the film preview which i put out today on on alabama or the film review which i put out i believe on monday on the uh the yukon game uh as well as the weekly depth chart which goes out to all flagship tier subscribers and access to the uh flagship exclusive uh q a podcast which i'm going to be recording immediately after this podcast and putting up uh, tonight, as soon as they are, uh, as soon as it is recorded, it's a uh, it's a good way if you have Aggie-related questions that you would like addressed or topics or anything else to uh, to get those on the podcast. It's the only way. It's the it's the best way and the only way because that's the only people who have access to the show. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to plug. It has been a uh, busy week of content. Got two preview stories for Alabama. Got the depth chart. Got that film review for the UConn game cover notebook. And then also the uh, Ike Larson player profile, who uh, he made it very easy on me going out and making that that game ceiling interception last week. Because I went and, uh, for a little bit of a look behind the scenes, I went and interviewed him last week before the game. Uh, Just, uh, I think it was last Tuesday. Um, I had a feeling he was going to be interesting this year. I did not think he was going to do that <laughs> in week one. So that was very nice of him to, uh, to give me a very easy player feature this week. Um, it was fun to write. Go check it out if you have not read it yet. That is, is available for the, uh, the $6 tier, which is the Agship tier. That's sort of the standard. Uh, that is where most people seem to, uh, to, to gravitate is to the Agship tier. Um, any support is, is greatly appreciated. Whatever is within your means is, is, is uh, fantastic. It, it really is greatly appreciated. I say it all the time, but uh, it uh, it helps me out a lot. It is entirely the 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 outlet is entirely dependent on it. It is a uh, uh, you know by the uh, you know funded by the subscribers for the sake of the uh, these subscribers. There are no corporate overlords here. And there are no advertisers to uh, to satisfy. There's there's none of that. It's just uh, you know trying to deliver the best Utah State coverage that I can for the sake of Utah State fans. I, I think it's just the, uh, I think it's the way to go. And I've been, uh, I've been having a great time. I hope you all have enjoyed my, enjoyed my coverage thus far. Um, this week, we've got a, a game that frankly probably isn't going to be all that much fun to cover or read about or listen to or think about or watch or any of that uh, because Utah State is headed to Alabama. Uh, number one team in the country, Alabama's season opener, Utah State's second game, of course. Um, this is the defending runner-up uh, for the college football playoff, losing to Georgia 33-18 in last season's championship game. Alabama did win the title in 2020. Um, I, I don't know that they need a ton of introduction. This is the greatest program in college football, probably the greatest uh, coaching tenure of all time, I, I would think. I mean... I'm sure that there are there are people who would say Bud Wilkinson at Oklahoma or Woody Hayes at Ohio State or some of those great Army Navy 
you know, uh, around the, the time of war teams, which I think is kind of unfair, um, fielding Yost at Michigan. There, there are, uh, a, a people will make a lot of cases for a lot of different coaches, but the man is, uh, he's unstoppable. He, he is unstoppable. Um, the program that he has built at Alabama is unlike anything I've ever seen before. It is, uh, I said as much on Twitter, it's demoralizing to just preview them. <laughs> I don't even have to play them. But to uh, to go through this roster, to look at the, the recruiting production that has gone into it, to look at the, the statistics, the output of these guys, um, and then to, to turn on the film is a completely different story, and it's it's all it all points in the same direction that these guys are just truly dominant. They are uh, they, there is not they are the standard. There is not a better program in college football. There is not a program that is really even all that close to doing what Alabama has done over the last sixteen years, fifteen years, heading into year sixteen of the the Nick Saban uh, era. It's uh, it is without uh, without competition. He, he he is in a world of his own up there, and uh, Utah State's going to get the chance to see that firsthand. Going over to uh, to Tuscaloosa, Bryant Denny Stadium, you know, hundred thousand strong. It's it's a tough it's a tough environment. It's a big ask, and I I don't imagine that it's it's going to be an especially fun afternoon for Utah State. I, I think that there are reasons to be still curious about this game. I think that there are reasons to watch this game. I think that there are things to be hopeful about within this game. Um, but the, the uh, you know, going into this game with the same mindset that you go into a Mountain West game with or really any other non-conference game against like pretty much any other team in America uh, is I, I think probably just setting yourself up for for sadness because it's they're really good Alabama is really really good I am the 100,000th person to tell you this uh, in your time as a college football fan Alabama's really good they, they, they are as advertised um, this roster specifically is statistically speaking and this is statistics with a big air quote around it because it is recruiting rankings which are not statistics they are made up um they're usually right but they are made up it's not like based on anything other than scouting these guys again they're usually right i'm (laughs) i am a i am not a recruiting rankings don't matter guy they do matter but um they are made up they are not like actual stats or anything but in those metrics this is the most talented roster that Alabama has ever had at least since 2015 and I would assume that that they have only gotten more talented the the uh you know recruiting class uh polarization has only really increased in the last couple of years so I cannot imagine that uh back before the days of the 247 team talent composite which is what I'm going off of for this Alabama would have had more talented rosters than they do right now uh, it, it is really the number has really only gone up, uh, especially in these last couple of years. It has taken another step with uh, transfers able to come in and, and with some of the NIL stuff. Um, and this this roster, it uh, it looks it. It looks it in the way that they play. It looks it in the stats. You can see the talent. It is it is dripping off of these this uh, this this team. It's they're they're really good. They're really really good. They were really good last year even though they had some glitches. And I think, frankly, this team is like probably 
a decent chunk better than last year's team was on both sides of the ball. I think the offense is better. I think it's going to be less glitchy. I think the defense is significantly better. Um, there is a, there's not a huge there's not a huge weakness uh, as as uh, Blake Anderson said this week. There's just not a weakness. They are exactly as they are advertised. They have two serious legitimate Heisman contenders in quarterback Bryce Young and linebacker slash edge rusher Will Anderson. Um, Personally, if I was giving out the award, I would have given it to Will Anderson last season, and I would also then give it to him this season. I, I really don't think there's a better player in college football. He is, he's unstoppable. He's completely unstoppable. And I, I'm, Personally, I'm not a huge Bryce Young guy. I think he's good. He's he's good enough to win the Heisman. But uh, Will Anderson, I think, is the the more special of the two, uh, and I think he is the best player in college football. I'm going to talk about him and Bryce Young in a little bit more detail here as I get into the sort of depth chart breakdown. I'm not joined by anybody this week because Alabama beat writers, um, I guess, have better things to do than come on a podcast. So uh, <laughs> I won't say too much more on that. Kind of frustrated with uh, with those guys. But uh, I will be going on the radio in Tuscaloosa uh, as you're hearing this today uh, on Saturday uh, around, oh, I can't do the, the time translation in my head, um, one-ish, I think. One-ish Mountain Time. Uh, it's it's uh, around two Central Time, if memory serves. So I think that's one Mountain Time. Um, but I'm going to be going on 100.9, uh, tied 100.9, I think it is, uh, to talk about Utah State a little bit. Probably not going to be anything brand new to those of you who follow the team, but you can still check it out if you are interested. If you like my uh, my podcasting stuff, I think it'll probably be kind of similar to that hopefully. Um, but I am not joined by anybody this week. So I'm just going to go through, I've got the depth chart in front of me. I've got, uh, I've got my share of thoughts having previewed this team, both in the traditional sense and in the film preview sense. Um, and so just going to go through, talk about some of the things that I'm looking for, kind of, uh, what I'm expecting to see from this game, what I think, uh, Utah state would benefit from having what I think it needs to be, competitive is is a tough word to say here um to remain in the game for an extended period of time is what is how i will say it i don't know that there are a ton of ways to be competitive against this team i i think that if you are a you know a georgia level team a texas a&m level team lsu a couple years ago auburn sometimes then you have a uh, you have a puncher's chance if everything goes right. I don't know what the path is if you're Utah State. I, I'm I'm gonna be brutally honest on this. I do not know what the path is, and you know that's how it always is. And that's that's uh, you know it's you don't know what the path is until somebody does it. Um, but Nick Saban has not lost to a Group of Five team uh, ever. He, he he lost to one once in 2007, and I really don't count that team as being a Nick Saban team. Since 2008, he has not lost to a group of five team ever. Alabama has lost five home games since 2008. They are 92-5 and five at home. Um, those five losses I have actually written down. I did these earlier. Uh, let's see here. 
Auburn in 2010, which would have been the Cam Newton year. That team won a national championship. LSU in 2011, that team went to the national championship where they lost to Alabama. Uh, Texas A&M in 2012, that team had one of the greatest college quarterback seasons of all time in Johnny Manziel. Um, Ole Miss 2015, I can't explain that one. They had Hugh Freeze, and I guess that was enough. Uh, and then Auburn in 2017, which was a uh, Jarrett's st- – or no, that was actually – that was at home. Never mind. Or that was on the road. Uh, never mind. Um, the the last one was uh, LSU at home in 2019, uh, which had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback – and won the national championship. So two Heisman Trophy winning, three Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks in the group here. Um, (laughs) Three national title uh, appearers, two national title winners. So if you want to beat Alabama at home, the best way to do it is to have a Heisman title winning quarterback or Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and then also win the national championship. So uh, if you could pull that off, it's very easy. It's uh, trivially easy at that point. If you're just going to win the national championship and have the Heisman winning quarterback, then you can beat these guys anytime. It's no problem for you. Um, But I I don't know that Utah State's going to do that. I don't feel especially confident in a G5 team in general being able to do that. It is just, it is a different world that Alabama lives in. And I like this world better. I like Utah State's world better. I have made that very clear. I think that this is a better way to watch the sport. I think it's a better way to consume the sport. I think what Alabama is doing is morally wrong. I think think that what they have done to college football is is a gross bastardization that I just, I do not like at all. I wish that they wouldn't do it. Um... I don't think that it should be turned into a business. I don't think that it should be turned into a football factory. I know that I don't have any say in the matter. Um, these guys should get paid, but it should not be like this. It should not be a football factory. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's bad. I, I think that it's bad for the health of the sport to have 800 analysts on your staff. Um, I, I don't like it. I don't like anything that they do. I think that they are a deeply, deeply bad football program uh, for what they are doing to the sport. Uh, and I'd say that about Ohio State. I have said that about Ohio State for years. I covered Ohio State, and I said that for about Ohio State. Um, I'd say it about Georgia. I would say it about Texas A&M. The, uh, the programs that are competing at the top of the sport are playing NFL football. They, they are not playing college football. They are not college football teams. It is not fun to watch. It is not really enjoyable for anybody involved, I don't think. Um, I think it's bad. I, I think that they have sacrificed their souls for the sake of uh, winning national titles for for whom they, it, it no longer matters for these programs to win national titles. They just do it because it's what they do. Um, and I, uh, I think that sucks. <laughs> I think it's really bad. I'm going to tell you straight up, I think it's bad. I think that it is deeply, deeply unhealthy what these programs have done. Um, I, uh, I don't know. It makes me kind of sick to think about it, uh, to, to consider where we once were in this sport, to think about all of the unique little things that you had, you know, you, you have, uh, I, I think Ohio state for, for decades was, was unique and was sort of had its own <clears throat> flavor, its own way of doing things. It was kind of a program that wanted to win with defense and running the football that's gone. Um, Alabama had its own identity. That's gone. Uh, Georgia had an identity. It's gone. These programs have killed their, uh, killed the things that made them interesting, uh, long ago. It has been years since they have, uh, had any sort of defining trait other than they win a lot of games. They're the same program. It's all the same. And I, I, I don't like it. Um, I don't like to see, Things like Virginia Tech trying to do the same thing, bringing in a bunch of analysts, or Michigan, or Michigan State, or 
any program, name a program, Ole Miss, Tennessee, whatever. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's bad. I think the sport is supposed to be played with unique players, and everybody's trying to do the exact same thing at this level, and it's uh, it's gross. I don't like it. I, I I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I don't like it. Um, but the roster is what it is. <laughs> it's really good. It's a really really good roster. It is an NFL roster. There is. There's no, there's no doubt about that. There's no questioning that. Um, and it's, it's the kind of thing that I think is going to be just about impossible to account for unless you also have an NFL roster. These, these guys are just too good. They're too good. They're too deep. Um, it is a, uh, it is a, a hill that I just don't know that it can be climbed. And for if Utah State could climb it, I, I would, uh, I would eat these words in a heartbeat. I think it'd be fantastic. I think it would be one of the best college football moments ever. Um, I don't expect it. I, I don't think anybody does. I don't know that there's a great path to something even kind of close to that. Um, I, I, I think that it's just, uh, it, it is, you know, it is what it is. These guys are what they are. They have made the call that they have made in developing the programs the way they have. Um, and uh, I guess complaining about it's not really going to do all that much, but I like to complain, uh, so I'm going to offensively leading the charge. I think we kind of, uh, <laughs> I think there's a pretty good understanding. It's Bryce Young. Like I said, not a huge Bryce Young guy. He's good. I think he's good. I, I don't think his arm is quite as good as uh, people say. And I think he kind of maybe doesn't make all that great of decisions when he is actually asked to make decisions. Um, this is one of those offenses that is very structured and, and very much tells the quarterback what to do ahead of the play, um, which everybody's doing now. So it's really not that unique, but uh, I, I think that Bryce Young has a tendency to hold on to the football too long and can get himself into trouble through doing that. But he can also create some some really unbelievable plays. Uh, you know, almost 5,000 yards passing, 47 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He does a lot more good than he does bad. I'm just not a huge Bryce Young guy. I, I think C.J. Stroud is better. Personally, I think Devin Leary is better at NC State. But uh, Bryce Young is certainly good. He's certainly a very good quarterback, which is not my preference. Um, and I, I, I think that he is uh, probably going to improve this season from last year, given that he has aged a year, and I think he's going to be more familiar within the offense and, and probably unstoppable this year. But last year's Bryce Young, I think, made a couple more mistakes than people really uh, acknowledged. Uh, especially, I mean... He was bad against Auburn. He was really not good against Auburn, and then they, they come back and win the game, and everybody forgets about it because of the last drive. But he was not good in that game. Um, he really wasn't good down the stretch in general. And uh, and so maybe Utah State can get lucky, and he is still that, but I would guess that that's not the case. I think those were probably the outliers more than anything. Um, joining him in the backfield is, a I would say, a pretty major upgrade from last year's halfback, Brian Robinson Jr. It's now Jameer Gibbs, uh, junior transfer from Georgia Tech, managed almost 800 yards on, I think, about 150 carries within a really bad Georgia Tech offense, added another almost 500 receiving yards on 35 receptions. Um, really, really quick. A little bit smaller than you usually see from Alabama halfbacks. Not like distinct not like like significantly he's 5'11 200 pounds he's still pretty big but a little bit smaller the other two on here are 212 pounds respectively Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams 
Um, I would guess you're going to see all three of them, but Jameer Gibbs is the best of the bunch. He is rapid. He is really, really quick. Can uh, you know turn a, a small gap into an 80-yard touchdown pretty pretty quickly, which I think is going to be a major, major uh, you know point of, of focus for Utah State after we saw the number of gaps that were sort of blown open last week against UConn, they're just that that over pursuit cannot be there against this uh, against this rushing attack because Jameer Gibbs will make you pay every single time. He is he is too good to uh, to be doing that up front. Pair of new starters at the tackle spot in J.C. Latham, who's a sophomore, former All World recruit, and left tackle Tyler Steen, who is not a new starter in the traditional sense. He started three years at Vanderbilt, but he's new here. Um, on the inside, Javion Cohen and Emil Ekior Jr. both return, although Javion Cohen was listed second on the depth chart behind combination tight end and lineman Kendall Randolph. I don't know exactly what the situation is there. Whoever plays will be good. I don't I don't imagine it's going to be a huge issue. And then at center is uh, Darian Dalcourt, who I believe was uh, at least part-time last year, the uh, the starting center's trading spots or... Uh, um, trading minutes sometimes with Seth McLaughlin, who is also back as the backup. Um, Damian George, who also played part-time at tackle last year, returns as well, though he's listed behind J.C. Latham. If there's a better offensive line in the country, I've not seen it. This is a It's a very, very good offensive line. Um, out wide, Jermaine Burton and Tyler Harrell, both transfer in from Georgia and Louisville, respectively. I think these are kind of your deep threats here. Uh, Burton averaged almost 20 yards per her reception last year didn't get a ton of run because he was playing in that sort of run heavy Georgia offense and and surrounded by you know tight ends who were getting the ball pretty frequently and and, and within a system that just wasn't going to really air it out a ton um but he he's certainly talented uh, I, I think there's there's no question that he's talented and will probably benefit quite a bit from being within this offense instead of that one and then Harrell was uh somehow even more uh boomer bust he averaged almost 30 yards per catch last season he only had 18 catches but almost 30 yards per catch i think six touchdowns um, he is, I think, sort of the direct replacement for Jamison Williams. I don't know how much he's going to play. He was listed as the second team receiver behind Burton. I would guess he's going to play plenty. He's somebody that, uh, he, he is razor sharp. He is the kind of receiver who you just cannot leave alone because he will, he'll score. He'll score from anywhere. He is really fast. He is somebody who I think Utah State is going to have to account for every single time he's on the field. I would think that Michael Anyanwu gets the assignment when he come out when he comes out there. I think he's the fastest of the three main cornerbacks, um, but uh, there's really not a great answer for him. He's he's really fast. Uh, on the other side, Treshawn Holden seems to be the projected starter uh, opposite uh, on the outside. He's six foot three. He's the biggest of the receivers. He was decent last year. I think he had 21 receptions. Didn't do a ton with them. He's sort of going to be the possession option, I would guess, on this team. Um, I would not be surprised if the number two player on this uh, on this depth chart, Ja'Cory Brooks, ends up taking his job because he looked great down the stretch last year. Took over when Jamison Williams got hurt in the playoff and had 10 receptions for 100-some yards and a touchdown in just, in just the last two games of the season against... Cincinnati and Georgia, two of the best defenses in college football last year, if not the two best defenses in college football last year. Um, I would be surprised if he does not have a major, major role in this offense and if he is not honestly starting by 
the middle of the season. I think he's better than uh, than Holden is. Uh, in the slot, it appears that Kobe Prentice is going to be the guy who gets the nod. True freshman top 100 recruit out of, uh, I think, out of Alabama. I think he's from the, uh, from the state. He's been uh, been greatly hyped this offseason as somebody who has just come in and and, and dominated uh, and and apparently he has done enough to get the nod as the starter. Christian Leary and Emmanuel Henderson Jr. will both contribute here as well. Um, I would guess that whoever gets the nod is going to be really good in this slot. I, I don't know that there is a single bad slot re- slot receiver on this entire roster. You'd be I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find one. Um, all three of those guys are good. All of the wide receivers listed are good. Um, minor questions at tight end because Cameron Latu appears to be unavailable. He has been listed as day-to-day. He was not listed on the depth chart. Um, it appears that backup Robbie Oust is going to get the nod. He's a sophomore, has not done much. Um, really hard name to spell. <laughs> it's pretty much all I know about him. I don't know that the tight end is really going to be a huge deal in this game. I don't know that it's worth thinking about a ton. Um, the offense, I, I would guess on the whole, is probably going to be quite a bit better than last year's. And that's, you know, that's saying something. Because last year's offense was like top five in pretty much every category. Uh, one of the best offenses in college football. But I think Bryce Young is going to get better. I think there's, I think this receiving core is... About on par, probably about the same as last year's. I don't know that there's a Jamison Williams, but also I didn't like any of the receivers that weren't named Jamison Williams on last year's team. So I think that they're probably going to a little bit of addition by subtraction in moving on from John Mechie and Slade Bolden, both of whom I think are just not very good. Uh, I've really not been impressed with them as receivers. So I I don't have any questions about this offense. It's, It's really good. I would guess that the rushing attack is going to improve and the passing game probably stays about the same. Rushing attack was sort of the only weakness the offense really had last year, and they went out and got one of the best running backs in the country and filled out the offensive line with a former five-star and a guy who started for three years at Vanderbilt. Um, They will be fine. I I think the offense will be fine. I'm pretty confident in the Alabama offense. Defense is in a similar place. Defense has been down relative to Alabama for the last couple of years, but returns a ton of production, including Will Anderson, who I will get to in a second. Um, In the trenches, it's a trio of upperclassmen in Byron Young, Tim Smith as the defensive ends around DJ Dale at nose guard. Um, None of these three have really stood out a ton. I think Jaheim Otis, the true freshman who is sitting right now with an oar beside his name uh, at nose guard with DJ Dale. I think he's going to take his job. He's six foot five, three hundred and seventy pounds. He is really good. True freshman, really, really good. I think he's probably your next great Alabama defensive tackle. Um, neither of the ends have really impressed me all that much. They're not bad by any means. They are good players, but they just aren't. Uh, they're not asked to do quite as much within this defense as they would be maybe somewhere else. Um, but they will contribute specifically probably against the run game, I would think. I, I don't know that they're going to do a ton in pass rushing, but they can certainly help against the run. Uh, linebacker room, Dallas Turner is the next Will Anderson. He's a sophomore right now. Next year, he will be Will Anderson. He will take over the role of being Will Anderson, which is to say a Heisman-level edge rusher. He's fantastic. Um, 
10 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, I want to say, as a freshman last year. Uh, Henry To'oto'o in the middle next to Jalen Moody. Jalen Moody, one of the only guys on this defense who is not established. He's a veteran, but he hasn't done a whole lot. I would not be surprised if he loses his job to sophomore Kendrick Blackshire or perhaps redshirt freshman Deontay Lawson. It's not to say that he's not a good player. I just think those guys have higher ceilings. Um, To'oto'o, there's not a ton to say about. Just rock solid. Uh, He is consistently in the right place. He's not like a superstar or anything. Transfer from Tennessee in uh, last season. But he is a he's a good he's a really solid middle linebacker. He does the job really well. Um, and then rounding out the linebacker room is the man himself, Will Anderson Jr. Um, man, I I uh, I mean, 31 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks. Uh, you watch him play, and it seems like he should have had double that. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, he had 101 tackles as a as a edge rusher. I. I don't know that I have words for him. He's, uh, I, I don't want to over, I don't want to, I don't want to undersell him. He is, I think, probably the best college football player I've ever seen. I, I, he was a true sophomore last year, and I think he's probably the best college football player that I've ever seen. I, I really, I really want to give weight to this. I've never seen somebody who can do what he does on the football field. Uh, the idea, you see mock drafts. This time of year that are wildly inaccurate, not even close, just guessing. Um, But you see mock drafts and any one of them you see that does not have Will Anderson number one is um, unserious. It is wrong. The person who has put it together does not know what they're talking about. (laughs) This is the best football player I have ever seen on a college football field. He is, he's ridiculous. He's unblockable. He's completely unblockable. There's nothing you can do about this guy. He's everywhere. I, I have, uh, I watched, I watched Chase Young in 2019 live. I, I think one of the best defensive end seasons I've seen in a college football, you know, environment. Uh, he, he was tremendous. I watched both of the the Bosa brothers. The, those are it's a trio of top three, top top three picks from Ohio State. Um, I have watched Ndamukong Sue. I have watched uh, Joe Burrow, Cam Newton on the other side of the ball. I have watched truly historic college football season. Devontae Smith at Alabama. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's run in the playoff. Uh, I have seen a lot of college football. I have seen a lot of good college football players, really good college football players, legendary college football players. I have never seen one who is as good as this guy is. I, I Honestly. I don't know that it's that close. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's unbelievable. He's unbe- he's not human. What he is doing is not human. I've never seen a person who can do this. Um, it, it is uh, it's jarring. It, it's jarring to watch him play football. It doesn't seem like he should be allowed on the field. It seems like he's not what everybody else is. He is he is a cyborg. It, it's uh, he's unstoppable. He really is. Um, Game planning for him, there's not, there's not one. There isn't an answer for him. You can't block him one on one. You really can't block him two on one. You can try. It might work a tiny bit better, but it's not going to be significant. Um, you could try to isolate him on reads, but he just blows it up. Uh, teams have tried that. They've tried the zone read where you isolate him. You don't have to block him. He just blows it up. Same for RPOs. Um, I think the only way to beat Will Anderson is to not play Alabama. I, I, I just, there's, there's not, there's not an answer for him. He's, uh, 
he's unbelievable. He is, I think, maybe the only part of this team that I like watching. <laughs> he's fantastic. He's he. It's uh, it's it's spectacular. Everything that he does is spectacular. There's no answer for him. I I I really. I, I feel for the guys who are going to have to try and draw this uh, this assignment because he's he's unstoppable. He he's one of the greatest athletes I have ever seen. It it's uh, I, I think that he's going to be. Uh, I think that he is going to be someone who is talked about as one of the one of the finest football players of all time, like Lawrence Taylor level of of edge rusher. It's I know this is a college junior that I'm talking about, and Lawrence Taylor is one of the best football players ever. Um, this kid is different. He is different from every college football player I've ever seen before. He there is a way that he plays the game that I have never seen. He he is he's so quick. He's so long and strong and just violent. He is just a violent, violent football player in a way that uh, you can't account for. You cannot account for a guy that big moving like that. It's uh, I said it's uncanny. It's it's unsettling to watch to watch Will Anderson play football, and I don't have to block him. I'm just looking at him. I'm just watching on a screen. He's 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 hundreds of miles away. Anytime I am watching him, and uh, it's still it's it's unsettling. It's unsettling to watch him play football. He's he's phenomenal. Um, full full marks for Will Anderson, who I think is uh, without without any flaws. He he's uh, he's tremendous. Uh, out wide at the the respective cornerback spots, there are four guys listed as potential starters. Um, kind of surprised by this, honestly. Uh, Kool Aid McKinstry, Eli Ricks transfer in from LSU, Terion Arnold and Kyrie Jackson. I was pretty sure it was just going to be McKinstry and Ricks. I'm still kind of <laughs> I'm still kind of thinking that it's that, but Ricks was listed the same spot as McKinstry and Arnold and Jackson were at the other spot. I don't really see anything all that special in Arnold or Jackson. Neither of them have played all that much. They weren't like all world recruits or anything. I would guess it's going to be McKinstry and Ricks. Uh, I think that's probably the best pairing unless Ricks is like still struggling with injury, which has been an issue for him in the past, but I would, I would guess it's going to be those two. They're both very good. Former five stars, both of them. Ricks, one of the better cornerbacks in the country in 2020. Uh, McKinstry looked very good for a true freshman getting significant minutes as a cornerback last year. It's a hard position to be a true freshman in. Um, and then rounding out the team and rounding out my uh, my depth chart part of the preview, and then I'm going to give a, a quick prediction. We'll get out of here. Um, safety. We've got Brian Branch is the star. He, he comes into the game pretty often. They'll take a linebacker off the field. Probably Jalen Moody, probably the Will would be the one that comes off the field, and they'll go with the three-three-five with Brian Branch as the star. Uh, free safety is Demarco Hellams, who's sort of uh, unspectacular but rock solid, really, really good tackler. Uh, and then Jordan Battle, who is a former very highly touted recruit, senior, uh, played well last year. Another guy kind of like Hellams. These two can they can generate some interceptions, but they're not like. I don't think they're really superstars. I don't know that they're super flashy. Uh, I, I, just, I don't know that they have it in them to do that. Uh, but they're both really good. They will play a role as well. Um, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. They are exactly as advertised. They are, I think, going to win the national championship this year. I'm not sure that anybody's really even going to get all that close to them. Um, I, I know that some people have considered Ohio State a contender. I just... I don't think they're on the same level. I don't think there's. I don't think they're playing the same sport. There's a physicality to what Alabama does that is just. It's really not matched anywhere else. I think Georgia is the only one who can really match it, and Georgia I don't expect is going to be able to be as good as it was last year uh, again this year. So I, I think that we're talking about the future national champion here, 
And when you're doing that, there's really only so much you can do to create positivity. I think, um, I, I think if you're Utah State, you know, positive place, making some progress, making some things happen, not allowing a touchdown on every drive, getting in the end zone every now and then, forcing some turnovers, forcing some mistakes. I think you feel great about that. Um, the score prediction I have been saying is 48 to 20 in Alabama's favor. I don't feel great about that. That's a lot of points for, for for Utah State against this defense, and it's not a lot of points for Alabama's offense relative to what I think it's capable of. Um, I think 56-14 might be more realistic, um, but 48-20 feels a lot better. I like to say 48-20 a lot more. That feels like uh, the kind of game that you can, you know, write things about and take things from and, and, and generate some sort of thoughts on. 56-14, I don't know that we would be able to really take a whole lot from that. Um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to swallow. And I think that that's what Utah State is specifically working to avoid here. Um, if it can limit mistakes, like really limit them, take advantage of the opportunities that it has, uh, play up to what I think the potential of this team is. I think forty-eight twenty is is reasonable. I think it's possible. If it's a if they play like they did against UConn, it's it's going to be worse than fifty-six fourteen. Um, and I I don't know which one to expect. I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in between, uh, which is why I think fifty-six fourteen is probably more re- reasonable. But uh, I'm going to say forty-eight twenty. I'm going to stick with what I said in the preview, uh, written version because. I don't know. Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. I said it already. Uh, it's out there. People can screenshot it and make fun of me when it's when it's uh, wildly wrong. Um, I have had it happen before. It's not the end of the world. I'll live. Uh, so forty-eight twenty. I'm gonna stay positive. I'm gonna stay optimistic. Utah State's able to get some stuff going down the field offensively uh, with a, uh, a still unsettled Alabama cornerback room. Logan Bonner still has a uh, has a really good game relative to the the circumstances. He plays really well on the road. Um, and the Utah State offense clicks into place in a way that it did not last week and looks legitimately impressive in spots. However, the defense is just overpowered. Uh, the offensive line eventually is overpowered as well by Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, uh, and Alabama is able to pull out a, a, a comfortable win. It's not close in the fourth quarter, but it's a game from which Utah State can pull some positivity, legitimately can pull some things to be excited about, and moving into more competitive games against, you know, teams in the same sport as Utah State, um, I think people will be feeling pretty good coming out of this. Relative, I mean, you don't feel good after a loss, but uh, you feel better than you could, I think. I think that I think that, that losing in that way would be a much nicer outcome than what is maybe feared in some spots. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say 48, 20. Again, you can, you can find this, you can find the, uh, the outlet on Twitter at the ag ship. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn, www.theagship.com. Your support is greatly appreciated. And I will talk to you all, uh, for the, the, well, I will talk to the free subscribers for the recap. I will talk to the flagship tier subscribers for, the uh the premium q and I'll, I'll so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that again i will talk to the flagship tier subscribers for the q and i will talk to everybody else for the recap um so i will uh, i will see you either right now on the next episode or on sunday thanks